welcome to Origins, a podcast about the money behind the money. This podcast is created by Notation, a first check venture capital firm based in Brooklyn, New York. We invest in amazing technical teams and projects in New York City on day zero. You can find us on Twitter at Notation Capital. This season of Origins is sponsored by Silicon Valley Bank and Cooley LLP. Silicon Valley Bank is the bank of the world's most innovative companies and their investors, with a dedicated practice for emerging managers. They've been friends and partners to Notation since the beginning. To learn more about SVB services, visit svb.com. Cooley LLP is the global law firm for tech, life sciences, and other high-growth industries. It's the world's most active venture capital law firm in forming funds and completing investments. We've worked with Cooley since the very beginning. They've helped us form both notation funds. We recommend them to all the startups that we work with and many of our VC peers as well. Learn more about the firm and check out its dedicated site for startups and investors at CooleyGo.com. Conrad Chang is a director at Utimco, the University of Texas and Texas A&M Endowment, where he leads the VC portfolio for one of the largest university endowments in the country. He's been on both sides of the table, having previously been a VC at Norwest Venture Partners and Bain Capital Ventures. Conrad, thank you so much for joining us. We really do appreciate you taking the time. I think a great place to start would be at the very beginning. Yeah. Tell us a little about where you grew up, where you're from, how you got into tech and sure. tech and venture. Well, it is a pleasure to be here. Uh, so l- let me start from the from the good old days. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I grew up in mm-hmm. Texas, born and raised uh, right outside of Houston. Yep. So a city I think everybody's like you know one degree away from, which is Sugar Land. Yeah. Uh, you know, grew up there. Uh, ended up going to uh, University of Texas. Yep. So now I've kind of you know come full circle. And what and the industry I assume growing up was energy. Uh, and he, so Correct. yeah, so so my, my you know my parents both worked in one degree or other. Like, right. Like my mom worked at uh, Texaco at the time. Yep. Yep. And so you know Houston very energy centric. Um, you is know, is there anybody? Is there a single person in Houston not connected to the energy industry? Uh, no, <laughs> no. Okay, it's okay. it's Just it's checking. like San Francisco, right? With yeah. energy. So you yeah. know, if you if you don't work for an oil and gas company, you work for someone who works for an yeah. oil and yeah. gas company. Yeah, exactly. Uh, but that's changed. Um, yeah. Um, and I think you know my experience kind of started when I was at UT. I think the you know the the maybe the key event that really catalyzed you know, what I do now, what I did at, you know, Norwest, at being Capital Ventures, at Bain and Company was, um, I started a company. You actually, did? In undergrad. You yeah. did? Okay. And so I think you'll, you'll like this, this point. This freshman year, senior year? Uh, sophomore year. Okay. And I started it with two other guys. Uh, one of them is the CEO and co-founder of Casper. Oh, wow. I never uh, realized that. Yeah. New York so company. New York company. So there you he's go. a UT guy, Texas okay. guy. Who was that? Philip Krim. Philip, yeah. He's the CEO, no? CEO, yeah. 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 Um, and so that was, you know, that was a, a pretty unique experience starting the company. Uh, we bootstrapped it. Didn't, you know, there weren't there wasn't a lot what was of the venture dollars. Uh, so it was an, it was a marketplace. Okay. It was you know, the idea was kind of Chegg meets okay. like eBay. Sure. Right. So this is So like, for textbooks. For textbooks, 
but with you know eventually moving to like you know sofas yeah the, the idea yeah. behind it is at the end of every semester you're getting rid of a bunch of yeah junk totally and you, you see it on the, on all the streets right. around right. college right. yeah um but you know long story short you know it didn't turn out to be a facebook how did uh, you build the first product were you technical uh was not okay and so <laughs> this was this was kind of a, a lesson because this learned. is a, this was what year uh 2000 2002. Okay. So pre, pre, yeah. so pre AWS, pre, pre right? AWS. Yeah. 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 Okay. So we, we had, so this is funny. We, we found a, some uh, web development from yeah. India. Okay. Yeah. And use them. And, you know, we'd be in class at like 2 PM and then the site would go down. Right. I thought we, and it wasn't because of like overwhelming traffic. Let, let's, let's be clear. <laughs> it was, it was right. because, you know, somebody had screwed up. Right. And the site's just not working. And so, you know, we, we had a, we had like a month of that, um, you know, that pretty terrible experience. Mm-hmm. And then we hired, I think, some web development firm in the U.S. Mm-hmm. Right. I think like 2002, there were, all the rage was like outsourcing the India yeah, or outsourcing right. it to somebody. Right. right. And so we ultimately, that's how we, you know, got the site developed. And we, right. we self-funded it between the three of us. Yep. Um, and then, I, you, know, I, you know, ironically, all, th- you know, the three of us were all working in tech. You know, me on the investing side, uh, you know, Philip at Casper, and then um, Aaron, uh, he, he just joined Roman. Oh, okay. Uh, yeah, so also here in New York. Also here in yeah. New York. Yeah. Um, so that, that's what really catalyzed wow. things. And yeah. how, when, um, when, did you, when did you stop running oh, that company? Man, we like, ran out of I money. guess it was soft, sophomore year, right? Yeah, so did you run it all of, through college? No, we ran it for like, six or nine months okay you just like you're just broke to, to your point there, <laughs> there, there was no aws so the hosting right. costs were killing uh-huh. us yeah yeah and it's not like we had a bunch of money lying around right like we you know we were just kind of self-funding it yep um but it was a great experience i mean it you know I even think the, really pre-facebook really right oh yeah pre-facebook yeah. for sure yeah yeah wow. yeah wow. early days early days okay. didn't you know not not a billionaire because of that but but <laughs> as a result you know it I think it really dramatically influenced kind of what we were going to do. Right. All of all three right. of us in right. our lives. Um, and that, that ultimately led to me joining Bain and company. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I think the lesson from the, from the startup was like, I didn't know what I didn't know. Um, and I wanted to go to a place where I could learn a whole lot, get a mm-hmm. lot of, you know, get really broad exposure and then build like a, you know, a, a toolkit, if you want to call it that. Yeah. Um, so did Bain and company as a, as a, not on the venture side first, as a as, as a, a consultant, as yeah. a consultant, as a strategy consultant. Yeah, and that so, was where. Uh, so I, I I was based in Dallas. Okay, uh, and then you know one of the unique things about Bain is you get to do um, an office transfer if you ch- if you decide to you choose to, and I went to and I was in Hong Kong for six months. Oh, that's cool. That was that was like you know it was an incredible experience. So I, yeah. this was like 2000, 2008. So during a big part of the financial crisis, I was like not even in the U.S. I was also in Hong Kong in 2008. Really? Yeah. You probably, I probably saw you at an LKF. I'm sure. You know. I'm sure of it. Yeah. That's so funny. So you spent six months in Hong Kong. Yep. And how did your time at Bain ultimately lead to Bain Capital, Capital. Ventures, correct? Or yeah. was it Bain Capital or Bain Capital Ventures? Uh, Bain Capital Ventures. Bain Capital Ventures. Yeah. Okay. Um, and so... Is that a typical path for... Some, for for some of the younger folks there to right. move into ventures or, right. or the private equity firm? 
so that so the heritage of Bain Capital is Bain and Company, and so right. you know, like Mitt Romney and right. some other folks founded Bain Capital. But I think as of I don't I get the date wrong, but as of like 1980 or something, they were they were separate firms, even though they share kind of the same okay name namesake. Okay, um, and so you know my my associate class at Bain Capital Ventures was like two ex-Bain and Company people, one guy from BCG and then one guy from Merrill Lynch. Okay. And so it okay. was- got it. So, so it's it's yeah. pretty distinct. Pretty distinct. Yeah. Um, but I had heard about the opportunity. It, 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 you know, I think they broadly kind of reached out. Um, and I was thinking about, you know, I had, I had done some private equity work when I was at Bain and Company. So doing consulting work for some, you know, middle market private equity firms and also doing consulting gigs for- you know, Fortune 500 companies in in tech or you know telecommunications, um, and I was like, wow, this is great. You know, like where where is there a place where I could do both, you know, investing right, uh, but also do it in a you know in in a sector that I like, which is which is tech. Mm-hmm. Um, and so you know, really you know quickly um, you know had narrowed down that set. You know, had met the guys at uh, Bank Capital Ventures. And you know, again, not surprisingly, because it was founded by ex-Bain people, that that philosophy and that heritage, um, you know, really like resonated with me. Yeah, is was the firm today? I think of Bain Capital Ventures as a Series A, B stage right, firm. Right. I don't know what their fund size is, but right. I assume it's not What is it? Half a billion dollars or something? Something pretty like big, pretty that. big fund. Yeah. Was was that the case when you were there? Which was uh, when? Almost probably ten years ago, right? Uh, yeah, it was about ten years ago, right? Um, and it it was that. So it did they did more? Well, they did like mid stage okay. venture and then growth, yeah. and I think that's largely uh, true today. Continue to be the case. They'll you okay. know they'll they will do some early stuff as well. Okay, right, right. I guess really their series B later right. rather than A. Right. Yeah. Um, you know, so did that. Moved to Boston. Did that for a couple years. Um, you know, great, you know, really great experience. You know, my first investing job, um, you know, as I look back on that, you know, probably some of the sharpest people that I've mm. ever worked with. Mm. Um, what were the key lessons as a junior VC? Right. You know, it's it's interesting going from the consulting side, right, where you're advising companies, you know, to, the, to you know, being a part owner in some ways. You know, yep. you know and I guess what I mean by that is, when you're advising companies, you know, you give them a recommendation and then you say, hey, hey guys, like good luck with this, right? Oh, by the way, but we can also sell you work, you know, if it doesn't right. work out. Right. You know, on the investing side, you know, you, you have to create, you know, a, a thesis, have a recommendation, but you ultimately have to put your money where your mouth is. And so you, you know, you are responsible for the big wins and you're also responsible for, you know, the big losses. And that that's something I really you know you know in in some ways missed when I was at Bain and Company, mm-hmm. and you know at Bain Capital, you know that was one of the key lessons, mm-hmm. you know, which is whatever company you invest in, you know, you're not running the company, but you owe it to as a fiduciary, as a good partner to the company that we're like you know we're all kind of in this on the same boat here, and we're yeah. all kind of working towards the same thing, um, and that was you know one of the you know really one of the key. You know, key lessons. Yep. I think you know, uh, that I took away from Bank Capital. Um, How do you decide to go to Norwest? So, Which is a similar stage, no? Uh, they they do stuff a little earlier. So, okay. like when I did the uh, when I invested in Casper, 
uh, that was a seed investment. So, so that's so I, I was going to ask you yeah. about that. Um, so you went to college with Philip. Yep. Started a company with him. Yep. He comes to you with a mattress company. Right. At like seed stage. Right. Which is not typical for for Norwest. No. At, at the time, at the time, it was not. So I think, was this I like, think, hey, I think, I think is, you're really smart. This right. seems kind of interesting. <laughs> uh, it's a uh, mattress company right. sure right. we'll give right. it a go or was right. this like yeah this is brilliant this is going to be a billion dollar right. company and I, I need to fund right. this uh, so the, the honest answer yeah. is I didn't know what to think of it when I first heard of it <laughs> right. right this was like right around Warby yeah. and, and 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 to be fair um, you know he had he you know Philip had the unique experience of having run up he had run a prior uh, direct to consumer right. like mattress company, but okay. but one that was like you know bootstrapped and wasn't um, yeah you know wasn't you know in any way or fashion looked anything like Casper. It right. was a, you know, more of a generic kind of business, right. and so I, I understood kind of very loosely the economics of the business, and I was that was compelling. Yeah, but going from that to a you know Warby Parker for you know mattresses, um, you know, it took me a little bit more time to kind of understand <laughs> right. that. Right. And I think that, you know, the key thing, and I think this is something you guys probably, you know, look for is you'll follow a company and the the founder's ability to convince other people, right? Not just investors, but other co-founders yeah, yeah. that there's something here and, and to convince them to leave an opportunity that they're currently at that is like pretty remarkable to go join a company that has not received a, literally a dollar of funding yeah. that has not a, does not have a product. Is, is remarkable. And so I think, you know, Phil, along with, you know, um, his co-founders, Neil, Luke, um, Jeff, and Gabe, um, you know, together, I think, you know, having, you know, met them yeah. before we invested, I think right. that was key. And one of the key hires was, you know, when I, that story was Jeff Chapin. Um, so he was at IDEO at the time. So had a mm. great job, mm. right? You know, doing well. And and yet Philip was able to convince him, hey, you know, Warby Parker for mattresses, and Jeff, you know, you know, left his job to go do that. Yeah, so, yeah. I totally agree. We 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 um, we're about to. Although when this uh, podcast is published, it will be uh, in hindsight. Um, but we're about to publish finally um, our internal operating manual mm-hmm. for Notation, which we've been kind of writing and updating for the last few years. And one of them is. Uh, we have kind of a uh, a list of attributes that we look for in startups and teams and companies. And one of them, as it relates to the team, is specifically, commu- it's one of four attributes, by the way, we look for on a team. So it's not like okay. one of a hundred, is communication and leadership. Right, right. Can, can this people, can this person or group of people convince employees, partners, customers, investors, um, that there's something special here before right. there's any data. Right. Huge. Right. So Philip had that. He, I mean, he has. I mean, he's had a remarkable ability. I think yeah. his team, you know, today, you know, uh, reflects that as well. And it's. I mean, you know, I think from the outside, people kind of see Casper as this great, amazing company. But every company has to go through growing pains, and I've kind of been able to, you know, watch them grow. Um, that's just, that was, you know, f- you know, great experience. I, I taught, you know, Philip and I are close friends and, you know, we, we catch up every, you know, couple of weeks or so. Um, uh, but you know, that was, uh, that was kind of the, the Genesis, you know, behind, you know, Casper. Um, and I, you know, the other, 
you know, the other, uh, I guess back to your original question on, on Norwest. Yeah. So like a lot of things in life, they kind of happen through, you know, f- you know, uh, personal network of friends. And so I was actually connected to Norwest uh, through an, an old uh, Bank Capital Ventures okay. colleague of mine. So he introduced okay. me to one of the guys at Norwest who had gone to Wharton for business okay. school. And he's like, hey, you guys should connect. Um, I want to move out to the Bay Area after business school. At the time, Bank Capital Ventures didn't, didn't have a Bay Area office. Okay. Um, and, you know, got connected with Norwest and then ultimately joined them and spent kind of the next four years doing uh, consumer internet investing primarily. Okay. okay. And up and down the capital stack seed to... Yeah, we'll do like, you know, so I did, I did, uh, I'm trying to like six, like six uh, new deals when I was there. Probably half, you know, maybe two or three of them were seed. Uh, you know, one of them was, uh, you know, a couple series A's and then one late stage series C. Okay. Uh, and that one was, um, a later stage one was you to me. Okay. And yeah. so that, you know, uh, that was around that we did after insight venture partners did the B and then, and so we did the C and then, uh, Naspers right. came in afterwards. That's right. Um, and, and led the That's D. Right. So between Bain Capital Ventures and Norwest, you spend, I don't know, six seven years as a VC. Right, right. uh, seems like you were pretty good at it. Right. Um, early early indications. Early yeah. indications, yeah. 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 So you now run the venture capital practice right, as right. part of Utimco, right. University of Texas Endowment. How did that come to be? Because that, you know, right, it's obviously right. a natural extension in many right, ways right, of your right. experience at those two firms, right. but it's also a big difference in, in, yep. in some key ways. And I, I want to talk about them over the next, you know, 15, 20 minutes, but was that on your radar as, as a switch to the LP right. side? Was that something that you had always had interest in? in? Right. Was that more of an opportunistic thing that just right. happened, especially as you're kind of like building your career in venture over the last seven years? Yeah, no, that's a, that's a great question. Um, so it was something that I, and I, I didn't really know the LP world, you know, incredibly well, you know, at that point. Um, and you know, it really came about, uh, you know, through like just a good fortune, honestly. Okay. Um, you know, when, when you know UT, my alma mater, you know, right, comes knocking, right, right. right, and says, "Hey, you know, you, you know, you're from Texas originally. You went mm-hmm. to UT. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, Lindell, who was on, you know, on this podcast before, you know, like, you know, he left to join Foundry, and so there's mm-hmm. this opportunity mm-hmm. to go run." Uh, you know, a $2 billion portfolio. Um, and this was like literally just like they reached out cold. Well, it was actually, yeah. so it was through a, it was through a headhunter. Okay. So they, uh, they, yeah. they retained so a headhunter yeah. that I had known. You know, she reached out and said, hey, you know, you know, uh, I thought of you because I know you're from Texas. Right. right. Uh, you know, it's a pretty unique opportunity where you're, you know, the, you know, um, at the decision maker, um, you have a, you know, pretty large P&L, and oh, by the way, the venture portfolio is one of the best right. venture portfolios, right? You know, out there, right? right? And so, you know, when when you know when UT came knocking, I answered that 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 mm-hmm. call like pretty immediately. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then I realized, I think you know, I had a, a colleague of mine, an old sorry, an old classmate of mine at UT, who had a, in some ways had a similar trajectory. So he, uh, he moved to New York. Uh, you worked did investment banking, worked at a hedge fund, um, and then worked in private equity, uh, and then uh, returned to Austin. You know, I guess a few years ago, 
to run the natural resources portfolio. And so I reached out to him and I asked him, hey, um, you know, what led you to, to go back to Austin? You know, what, you know uh, how should I think about this Utemco opportunity? You know, what's the culture like? You know, what, what's the mandate? Um, and, you know, you know, talking to him, I think, really helped under, help me understand the opportunity. Um, and, and today, you know, uh, the port, you know, venture portfolio itself, you know, two billion or so out of, uh, you know, uh, a $40 billion plus endowment. Yeah. Um, which is, which is a reasonably high allocation to venture. It is. Yeah. Yeah. Right. You know, particularly right. from an, I mean, an absolute dollar right. perspective. I mean, right. there, there are fun of funds out there right? where, you know, there are, you know, 500 million or a billion. Um, and so, you know, my mandate coming in, you know, was to continue kind of identifying doing fund investments and also doing direct investments, uh, you know, th- you know, through some of our partners through co-investment. Mm-hmm. And so that, that was a greater trend that Utimco, you know, had had moved towards. I would say in the last, you know, you know, five years or so, mm-hmm. where they started adding folks who came from the direct side. And so it, mm. it wasn't it wasn't right. like I was, you know, there wasn't a precedent for this. But you know, I mentioned my you know my colleague on the natural resources side. And there's a couple guys on the emerging markets team that uh, both came from private equity, right. and so the thinking there is, as a VC who had been doing direct investments in startups in the past, as they continue to grow that practice as part of the larger right. venture practice, you'd be obviously you have a lot of experience, right? There, right. got it. Um, I want to quickly go back though to a, to the thing. How I'm curious how your friend did describe the. Right. Experience, culture, right, opportunity, right, right. working for a big endowment like that. You know, so you know he he was incredibly. I mean, so you know now because it's very it's very different, right? You're a public right, employee, right? right, right. I, I think it's, correct. So it's like it's like it's we, quasi quasi, right? We manage it on behalf of the University of Texas, okay. Texas A and M. So it's okay. It's Texas A and M as well. Texas A and M as well. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And it's forty billion dollars, forty billion, which is a hell of a lot of money, right? It's in Texas, obviously. Different. Right. I guess you grew up there, but I'm curious how he right. talked about like right. that environment. I'm right. curious. I'm just curious myself what yeah, that yeah. work environment yeah. is like. Well, it's you know for for the amount of dollars that um, that Utimka manages on a per and you know investment professional standpoint, there's I can't remember the exact number, but I think it's you know thirty thirty five investment professionals, right? And so, you know, billion plus, plus or minus, you know, yeah. you know, a billion or yeah. something, right, per person. And I think the way he described it is, look, you know, you, you have the opportunity, um, you know, to kind of step up, you know, um, you know you're responsible for a, a, not just a sizable part of uh, the endowment, but one that has been an important driver of returns. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know you have the you know the opportunity also is to um, not only continue to kind of build out that that the fund side, uh, but also to do direct deals. Yeah. Um, you know, alongside yeah fund investing. Yeah. And so it it kind of was in many ways kind of the best of both worlds. You know, where you, you finally kind of understand that world of of you know uh, you know I think one of the things that that a lot of GPs just you know, besides maybe the you know some of the key folks. Uh, you know, they don't necessarily understand kind of the the, the access to capital equation, mm-hmm. right? Which ends up being a pretty critical part of of any kind of any kind of venture firm or any private equity firm. 
Mm. And that was always one I was, you know, curious about. Um, what do you mean by that? You know, managing those relationships, you know, accessing that capital. Like, you know, there's a lot of great investors out there, but in order to, you know, to, to, in order to deploy that capital, you kind of have to raise capital, mm-hmm. right? And it's and it's not, and it you know it shouldn't be an afterthought, you right. know, on how to do it, who to do it right. from, right? It's right. like like you know, so it's one thing to raise money, but it, well, who do I raise it from, right? Mm-hmm. Who are the who are the who are the right kind of kind of LPs, right? And it's in the in the advice I give is always it's not that different than a company that is raising money from you, and that person has to think about board dynamics, yeah, who they want on the board. Sure. So, you know, I want someone who has operating, you know, so an operating experience in this specific area. And as I raise my Series B, I want a slightly more complementary person that maybe, you know, um, you know, can help me with go to market or something. And then for the Series C and the D, someone who has, who's taken a company public, right, or, you know, knows, you know, uh, can kind of shepherd me through that process of an acquisition or is more of a, the finance person, right? And so... I think the most sophisticated GPs do think about that, and and like a lot of them, you know, we work with. Uh, but I think that's that's a dynamic that you have to kind of learn on the job, right? When you raise a new fund or you're part of the fundraising, yeah. and you know, while it may only happen every few years, man, like if you get it right, those three years can be, you know, uh, you know, having a you know good LP base can make your life a lot easier. Um, and if you don't do it right. I, th- I think you know it may not be a, an issue kind of in the first few months, but yeah. down the road, you know, yeah. it, it can really yeah. handicap. Yeah, you know. What and you so, the, do. so, so at Utimco, the 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 your point is just that like that's not a concern, as in there's unlimited access to capital. Well, you know, I, th- I think what we like to say, and and you know, it's not just Utimco, and it's not originally Utimco, but you know, we're in the, we're in the forever business. Right. Right. And, you know, we, you know, we want to partner with and the best and brightest, you know, people out there that, you know, are high integrity, you know, are highly, you know, skilled, highly competent. And, you know, if it's a good partnership, then, you know, that, you know, that should continue, you know, you know, you know, forever. And I, you know, and I was as an example, I was thinking about looking back on our, our funds, and in the venture portfolio alone, you know, half of our managers we were in Fund One, right? And so, right. you know, Utimco has a reputation, and that's USV, that's Foundry, True, that's Foundry, yeah. yeah. And and you know, we're we're very comfortable, you know, backing first time managers. Yeah. We've done it. We've had, you know, we've had a lot of success doing it, and. And frankly, over half of our portfolio in venture has been that. And hmm. that's the case across all of Utimco. I think Utimco just has a, you know, has a lot of comfort and a lot of um, you know, high degree of competency when it comes to identifying working with mm-hmm. you know, first-time managers. Um, what are some of the, so you've been there for a year now. Mm-hmm. What are some of the, I want to. I want to get to at some point. You know how you're thinking about the strategy of the firm, right, and, right. and particularly maybe how some some that compares to Lindell's time there. Who, right. I mean, Lindell was there for like 13, 13 years. 13 years. Um, now that you're a year in, 
there what are some of the things about just the job like the day to day or the week to the week that right. are maybe surprising or very right. or or different than what right. your day to day vc job is or is it kind of similar but just one layer up you know it's it is i would say it is different um in the day to day i uh, i think you know this year has been incredibly busy in a sense there's a lot of uh, you know venture fundraising as a whole is is probably going to you know, hit another high this year Is or, it? or close yeah. to it. Yeah. And, and so that's kept me extremely busy, you know, uh, working with our existing managers. Um, and, you know, the, the day-to-day is, it, it is kind of, you know, you're, you're one level removed from the company, mm-hmm. right? So you're looking at a, you're, you're constantly thinking about portfolio, portfolio construction. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, you're talking to your managers to understand kind of what, you know, what areas are looking at, uh, you know, how they're managing, you know, um, you know, the companies are performing very, very well. You know, they're reserving enough for them. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, is there an opportunity for us to co-invest, mm-hmm. uh, you know, in a subsequent round? You know, the companies that aren't performing well, you know, um, you know, how are they, you know, how are they managing those? You mm-hmm. know, why, you know, uh, you know, why this company, you know, underperformed? Um, and then it's just, you know, some of it's also governance, you know, just like when you're on a board of a company, yep. which is, hey, we're thinking about, you know, raising another fund in this kind of fund size. What do you think? Or hey, and th- this is a this is a popular one, right? That you you probably have you know some conversations about is crypto, mm-hmm. right? So I would say you know relative to maybe some other folks, we've gotten pretty deep in crypto. You know, partially because of our relationship with USV. Mm-hmm. You know, we started digging in you know pretty deep about a year ago, right when I joined. Um, but that's one where a lot of you know when you have these discussion with you, you know your existing managers, some of them. You know, want to you know want to carve out a piece yep. or or, uh, or a uh, you know ceiling on what percentage of, of yep. the portfolio can be in crypto or amend an LPA and you yes, need to be a exactly. part of that conversation. Yeah, right. And that's a that's a that's been one that's you know happened more frequently. Um, but I think you know th- this year um, has been really getting to know kind of our existing managers, right? Right. Uh, spend time with them, right? And you know. And it's, how many like core managers right. do you have that that I guess right. all of which I guess you inherited because you right, just started right. the job. Yep. Uh, so we have about you know in the teens, okay, so like you know fifteen, sixteen core managers. Yep. that we have it. You know, and again, not not too atypical from um, any kind of you know venture portfolio in general. And that's typically, I mean. Timco is so big. Right. I assume most of those core managers have got to be at least a couple hundred million dollar in funds right. for right. it to make sense. Is that right. right? Yep. Yeah. So what's like the minimum fund you would invest in, given given the? Yeah. I guess you have about two billion invested in right. venture. Right. Um, I think you're alluding to the you know when you're big and you know big endowment, you're 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 having to scale with the endowment so yeah. the venture portfolio continues to grow. Yeah. You know. I, I think um, our on the small end of what we'd invest in the fund would probably be you know minimum maybe a hundred million or so. Mm-hmm. I mean that number is always kind okay. of you know changing. Yeah, yeah. Um, and that's again that's on the that's on the lower end. Yep. You know I, you know we don't have any you know managers that are really at that level mm-hmm. um, at least not today. Um, and our che- and it's a function of check size, right? So we want to write again on the low end. You know, let's say you know. Thirty million or so, mm-hmm. right into a into a single manager. Mm-hmm. 
Um, and obviously, you know, want to grow that as the fund grows and grow that position over time. Um, but, you know, sometimes we can flex that down, right, as well. Um, but we're not, you know, to be clear, we're not writing, you know, $5 million yeah. checks yeah. into venture funds. Yeah. So how do you think about evolving the portfolio over right. time? I mean, right. it sounds like you're starting from a place of strength. Yep. You've got some great uh, relationships. Lindell obviously did a great job there over the, the last 13 years. How do you think about evolving that? Right. Or maybe bettering that work right. over the next right. 13 years? You know, it's interesting. I, th- I think the, 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 in some ways, the beauty of venture is that it changes and it evolves over time. I mean, I think, you know, I think back on, you know, my time at Bank Capital Ventures, you know, and this was kind of like 2000, 2009, 2008, 2009. And it was a very, venture was very different. Right. You know, the, you know, it was, I was on the East Coast, Bank Capital Ventures, and you have a West Coast office. Right. And so, you know, relative to maybe other areas, right, venture's constantly changing. Mm-hmm. And the and many of the firms today that you see that that um, are, you know, Andreessen wasn't even around. Right. Right. And so yeah. you you constantly have to think about, well, how do I, you know, it, you know, how do I adapt, you know, to that those changing, you know, circumstances. And and, that, and that's kind of the excitement about the job, right? right. So, yet the you know the, the the managers that we work with are incredible, and I, you know I feel very privileged to work with them. Um, and they're also adapting themselves. Mm-hmm. And you know one one you know the best example of this is crypto, yeah, right, where yeah. there's a new sector that comes up that you know may not be an area of expertise with uh, you know with your existing you know you know managers, where you want to get very dedicated exposure, and so that's actually one area that we're spending a lot of time in. If looking at dedicated, you know, crypto um, managers, yeah. Have you invested in any yet? We have directly? not. We have not. Okay. On blockchain specifically, a lot of these funds. I mean, there's some funds that are stru- that are structured like venture. Mm-hmm. There's some funds that are structured like hedge funds. Right. Do you work closely with your hedge fund counterparts as you look at some of these? Because they seem many right. of them seem to combine elements of. Of venture and hedge funds. Right. That's actually a really great question. I think, I think a lot of people don't don't take that into account. Uh, and I think that you know one of the beauties of Utimco is we're an incredibly collaborative organization. Mm-hmm. And so even though you know we're maybe more specialized than your typical LP or endowment, you know we have a natural resources you know team or point person of right. venture. Um, we do collaborate quite a bit, and so you know. Uh, I'm, you know, I'll, I'll pull in, and I and I am pulling in a colleague of mine on the hedge fund team, right, to help you know evaluate um, some of these funds that that you know don't really kind of fit purely in the hedge fund bucket or don't mm-hmm. purely fit in the venture capital mm-hmm. bucket, um, and that, I think that uh, that has allowed us and will allow us to make a, a better decision, and I'll, and frankly to be a better partner to right. Right. these GPs who. Who, while they do, while they are starting kind of a hedge fund venture, uh, venture fund, usually the backgrounds of them are either only from the venture world or only from the hedge fund world. Yeah, and so uh, from, you know, our value add from the LP perspective is we can give you the both perspectives um, of you know, hey, this is kind of how you should structure you know the fund, you know, um, 
you know, if, if it, if, you know, 70% of the portfolio is going to be liquid, right. Mm-hmm. And it's going to be more like a hedge fund. This is, these are the things to think about. This is the redemption period or, yep. or, uh, this is kind of what we see in the fee structure. Um, and then, you know, or, or, Hey, um, as you putting together the fund, you know, you may want to, you know, seek out, you know, outside counsel that is maybe more weighted towards, you know, the hedge fund world. Mm-hmm. Right. And I think a lot of, you know, Again, like that, that that's how we can be, you know, valuable partners for these managers and helping them navigate things, um, and do it, you know, do it, do it together, you know, yep. again, all in one, all in one boat yep. kind of mentality. How's your direct practice evolving? Uh, it's going well. Uh, so in the last year, you know, did you know looked at, you know, f- I don't know, five or eight different venture co-invests, uh, and specifically with. Like core managers, Spe- specifically with core managers, yeah. and we did about we did like three of them, um, and um, and so that's been incredible. And I think um, you know, you know, that's one of the unique, I think, more unique things about Utimco, which is you know, given the given folks that have direct backgrounds, you know, one of my colleagues is a, is actually a doctor. Uh, um, not not practicing yeah. you know, doctor, but yeah. you know he he worked at a hedge fund. Worked in private equity, doing healthcare, you know, private equity, and so understands that that world. And so you know can um, can go deep in you know healthcare co investment. You know, in addition to the you know fund investment. And you know my background, you know historically, you know through Udemy and, and you know Casper has uh, been on you know marketplaces, e-commerce. So you know mm-hmm. one of the investments we did. Uh, we don't publicize these. Mm-hmm. Uh, was was a marketplace business, mm-hmm. and so you know we we try to be thoughtful about you know um, how we partner with our managers to do co investments, how we can move quickly, how we could do our own underwriting, um, and and how we you know we can you know help each other uh, in 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 this scenario. So it's going well. It's still you know we're you know on the venture side at least. Um, you know, we're looking to do more of it and be more active. Co-investment as a part of Utimco um, has, we have a long history of, of doing it. Okay. Um, you know, not just in venture, but in real estate, natural resources, okay. private equity. Right, right. So it, it, and how do you position it with the managers that you work with? Is right. it, could it be perceived as you competing with them or it's, you know, like is, if there's a limited allocation to right. a company or is it just investments that they're bringing you right. opportunistically? Right. How does that work? Yeah. So co-investment, you know, I think is, um, it's, it's easy to say, hard to do. Okay. And what I mean by that is you're always trying to balance between um, wanting to invest in the best deals. Right. Right. But also being constrained by access and not, right. not, not being, Subject to adverse selection, right? Right, because if it's a great deal, uh, and your core VC, you know, whoever uh, True Ventures has right, right. their pro rata, they have funds presumably, right. and I think they have now opportunity funds right. to do all their pro rata. Right. In what situations are they saying? Actually, you know what? We'll do less. Right. We'll bring in Utimco to do five. Like, how does that right. actually work in practice? You know, so it, it really varies situation by situation, but I think the key is you have, you know, it's our it's our job to be proactive, and so it's okay. it's you know part of it is you know stuff comes up opportunistically for the manager, but I think like you know like a traditional uh, GP, you gotta you gotta be pounding the pavement and say, hey, 
you know, this company in your, in your portfolio may not be raising money right now, but during the next round, um, you know, we'd love to, um, to see if we can participate mm-hmm. in that round. And it's not necessarily, it's not really taking their parada. It is, uh, it is, it is basically taking part of the round, like the overall round. And so, mm-hmm. um, you know, tactically what that means is when we do co-invest, it's, it's on the later stage. Right. Where one, there's, you know, the round is large enough where we can write a sizable check. Right. You know, we're, we're not taking product market risk. Um, and, you know, you know, we are, you know, effectively doubling down in a, in a company that, you know, the manager feels strongly about, you know, mm-hmm. we feel strongly about. Uh, and, it, and it's a good balance, you know, in the sense that we get later, you know, later stage exposure through co-investing um, while, you know, the, you know, the majority, overwhelming majority of our fund investments are um, emphasize the early stages. And so, you know, if you look at our managers, uh, our fund managers, they're primarily kind of seed, series A, B kind of investors. Mm -hmm. Um, And that continues to be a big focal point on the fund side, which is doing early stage uh, investing. Right. do you, if you add a core position with a manager, mm-hmm. does that mean that you have to take one out? No, it doesn't. Okay. Yeah. I think, you know, in, in practicality, am I going to add another 10 managers right. in the next couple of years? That, that's, that's, you know, that's, that, I don't, I don't, thankfully I don't have to go do that because I have a great, mm-hmm. you know, roster of managers. Uh, I think in the near term, you know, I think the realistic expectation is we'll probably add, let's say, you know, two to three new venture managers, um, you know, over the course of the next couple of years, mm-hmm. uh, not, not five, right. probably not five, you know, definitely not 10. Right. And, th- and those are, those are, th- those are, those are new managers. And then, you know, um, and then it, like, like any kind of, uh, portfolio that you manage, you're always having to, you know, understand kind of what, what your existing portfolio looks like and then make a decision on those as well. And, and sometimes, you know, fund strategy changes, right? Where they, you know, they want to raise a, you know, a giant multi-stage fund or, um, you know, or, or performance isn't there, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, we're all, in, you know, I, I'm a fiduciary, right? Utimco, you know, we generate returns to fund. Mm-hmm. You know, a lot of the scholarships that I, that I took when I went to UT, right? right? And so, um, that's you know, pretty amazing. Make those hard decisions that's pretty as amazing. Well. You're generating returns for scholarships that you received as a right. student. That's awesome. Right. That's a great. That's a full circle. Full circle. Um, I know that historically you've worked also worked with fund to funds. Right. Right. How do you see that evolving over time? So it's it like because yeah. it seems like I mean, and this makes sense given the two billion dollars in size. Right. You kind of work across the spectrum. Right. Right. Like direct venture, some fund to funds, and right. I'm guessing the fund to funds give you access to maybe some. Smaller funds that right. you wouldn't typically right. invest in as a core position. Like, do you still see that as core? And, and I'm right. good. And also more broadly, I'd ask how you see the fund of funds ecosystem evolving over the next few years. Right. So you know, for you, Timco, you know, part of the reason why I, why I joined and why you know they brought me on was um, to go do the fund investing right? and and the you know and the co investing uh, ourselves. You know, that being said, I think we will continue to partner with, you know, some fund of funds uh, to help us get exposure where we, we we couldn't do it. Right. You know, meaning, you know, I think you alluded to this point, some of the micro VCs where, 
you know, if, if we were to write a thirty million dollar check, we would be one hundred percent of the fund, right? Uh, and we want you know broad exposure to that. So I think you know selectively, you know, we've worked with you know fund of funds in in the past, and you know, um, and, and that we, means, and just to be clear for some of the listeners, that means you can write a thirty million dollar check into a fund of funds, and they can spread that in smaller chunks across a number of super small funds. That's right. Like that's notation right. or some others. <laughs> that's right. Okay. And 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 we, you know, we we lo- we love that. Yeah. You know, I think, you know, um, you know, and and you know, ideal scenario there is that um some of these micro VC funds, you know, have desire to to get larger or to move into, you know, larger you know write larger checks yeah that requires you know a, a larger fund and then at that point it's a natural evolution for you timco to invest directly mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we and in those funds in those funds yeah and we've done that across several actually managers where we yeah. got to know them through fund of funds and then we invested you know directly mm-hmm. what now, are I, some area other areas that a fund of funds might cover for you right that you maybe couldn't do as a, you know, obviously as one person right. at, at Utemco. Right. Well, geography, maybe? Geography is one. And I'll, yeah. I think I'll, I'll speak more broadly, you know, not just Utemco and, you know, and this is kind of your question on, on the fund of funds ecosystem in general. I think, um, you know, pension funds or endowments or family offices or whoever, um, you know, they can use fund of funds for, you know, geography or, um specific sector exposure so mm-hmm. you know they're you know i've run into some uh crypto fund of funds mm-hmm. right getting exposure that way not kind of dedicating you know a hundred percent of your crypto exposure to a single manager and right. doing it more broadly um you know that that's one that i think more recently has become uh, more interesting um you know folks that are looking to get so how does that work with the fees i've i, I yeah. you know that that i because i've i've seen some of these Crypto fund of funds right, popping right, up, a couple right. of them uh, come to mind, and a lot of these crypto funds charge, I think, three and thirty. Yep. I don't know what the fund of funds are charging, but some portion above that. Right. Right. So forty percent fees. Right. A ten x fund ends up being a four x fund. Right. 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 Or something like that. I guess a ten x fund ends up being a six x fund. So right. How do you reconcile that? It's hard. Yeah. You know, I don't think you know. That may be the right model for us, um, and I think the fee, I think you're 100 percent right. The fee structure is very challenging in that scenario. Yeah, um, and I think you know, the you know, folks that are doing the crypto fund of funds have to be kind of thoughtful about how to you know, how to tailor that product mm-hmm. where, where where you know you they you know your you know client or whatever can get that exposure, but not so egregious that it just doesn't make any sense, right? Right. But, but crypto is one of those black boxes, right? That you know, if you're a family office or you know some other you know uh, institutional investor, you just don't know how to access, mm-hmm. right? And and so the, the counter to that is, if you want to get crypto exposure, a lot of folks don't really know how to best go do it. And so that's where a fund of funds can come in. And and again, that that's I've outside got, I've the got, fee structure. I've got I've got an idea: create a Coinbase account. And buy some Bitcoin. <laughs> One last question for you. I'm curious how you just think about the broader market right. today or in this environment. I mean, you said that this year will probably be, could be most capital raised for venture 
ever did you say well uh, i don't know so, or since yeah. since the dot com or it, i don't know if it'll from a from a dollar perspective but it'll it'll be either close right to um some of the you know the peaks in the last couple of years in yep. terms of fundraising bull run for the last yep 10 plus maybe at this point yep i've ever as long as i've been a VC, which is now, I guess, seven years. Um, every single year is the last year of the bull run. Right, right. So I'm curious how you think about the market today. I mean, there's right. like so many. I mean, from the venture perspective, there's it's just so much more money in the market, obviously. Mm-hmm. Everybody's competing for the same stuff. Yep. Prices are very expensive. To me, feel, it feels like actually a pretty tough environment for venture right now. So I... I think all those points, I, I, I think it'd be hard for a lot of people to disagree with. Right. Um, and I think the broader investing point here is that, you know, markets, like lots of things in life are cyclical. And, you know, what goes up must come down, right? These kind of cliche statements. But yet, you know, this market continues, you know, to go up and to the mm-hmm. right. Um, but everybody knows at some point, you know, it's 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 right. it, it's not sustainable, Right. And so I think the the lesson there is um, you have to recognize that you know there will be a correction or, or a, you know or at least some change, right? Um, where it, it goes down, but your ability to to time it, right, or to know exactly when that happens, is is near impossible, right? Right. And so as a as an LP or even as a as a GP, right, you're and, it's, and and especially for venture, I think um, you have to stay committed to the asset class. Mm-hmm. And I think you know if you look back on you know two thousand and eight or so, right, uh, or even before that, right. As I as I you know look back on when you know Lindell made the the USV investment two thousand four, right. Venture was not a mm-hmm. you know was not a popular right. asset class. People were. Had you know had just been coming off of the like the the highs of the of, of ninety nine two thousand, um, but if you had maybe listened to you know some wise advice at the time, it would be it would have been to avoid venture, right? And so I, I think it's important to understand like in this environment, yes, it, it is you know frothy, and you have to be mindful of that. Um, but when when circumstances change. Uh, that you know you have to continue to stay committed to it. Yeah. And so yeah. does that mean you're going to be doubling down, tripling down in this environment? Probably not. But it also doesn't mean I'm just going to you know cut my you know cut back fifty percent or twenty five percent, whatever it is in venture. Because mm-hmm. the moment you try to go do that, because you're operating on such long time horizons, um, you know if you if you kind of you know pull out right at just the wrong time, you you would have yeah. missed USV, you would have missed Foundry, you would have yeah. missed a lot of these great great funds sounds to me like you can't like trade around venture right right like you can't like be buying and selling it all the time you got to be committed to it over a long period of time for it to work one we should have said this beginning congrats on the the new role i mean it sounds super super interesting um do you imagine you've got 13 years plus in you like lindell like is this a is this do you imagine just like you said like you have to commit to it long term do you imagine being there for a long time right you know, I wouldn't have joined had I not, you know, right. wanted to stay committed, um, you know, to you know helping build that portfolio. Um, you know, it, it's hard. You know, it's always hard to to you know predict kind of like you know ten years out. I'm not yeah. sure Lindell thought, right? You know, he predicted kind of th- right. you know, thirteen years out, right? Um, 
but it's an exciting place. I mean, you know, to be able to, um, you know, be at you know a, a you know premier platform that you know has a great venture portfolio that has a reputation of being a good partner, that has a reputation of being you know, um, you I know, mean, much more progressive in terms of you know right. being LP and thinking about yeah. it. That's that's the luxury that you know I, I, you know, I get to be a part of, right? And then it's up it's up it's up to me to kind of uphold those standards, um, and you know, moving forward and, ma- and maintain, you know, very high quality venture portfolio and a high quality endowment. I, you know, I think that the one thing I, not to not to you know, plug ourselves, but you know, one of the things that um, that as an organization, um, you know, we you know we were like nominated and we won like you know best endowment of the year from institutional investor, right? Mm-hmm. And so it, it wasn't just kind of the venture portfolio, but it's it's a collective effort right. by the entire you know Utemco organization um, to go do that. And I think you know I've worked I've had the you know privilege of working a lot of different places. Um, but you know the, the level of collaboration and, and you know camaraderie at at, at Utimco is uh, is incredible. You know we've looked at I pulled in people, and I've gotten pulled in on on all kinds of different you know things. And I think you know together we've been able to um, you know to build a, a great kind of you know fixed income hedge fund, public equity, real estate, yeah, you know uh, credit uh, and venture capital kind of portfolio on behalf of. Um, you know, the, the university system. Yeah. Sounds like a fascinating place to be. We have to come visit you. Yes. One of these days uh, down there. And um, thank you very much for taking the time. Thank you. This was great. This podcast was created by Nick Charles and Alex Lines, partners at Notation Capital. Notation is a first check venture capital firm in New York. We work with technical founding teams in the trenches from day zero. You can find us on Twitter at Notation Capital. Thanks to Cooley for sponsoring this episode. Cooley LLP is the global law firm for tech, life sciences, and other high growth industries. It is the world's most active venture capital law firm in forming funds and completing investments. At Notation, we love working with Cooley and recommend them to all the companies we work with. Learn more about the firm at Cooley.com and check out its dedicated site for startups and investors, CooleyGo.com. We'd also like to thank Silicon Valley Bank. SVB is the bank of the world's most innovative companies and their investors. Their experts help innovators, enterprises, and investors move their bold ideas forward. Tap into the experience and connections of the SVB team for advice on strategic, operational, and tactical issues and limited partner insights. Silicon Valley Bank is a member of the FDIC. If you like this episode, please share and remember to tag it with the hashtag OpenLP. We'd also like to thank Ben Glaway, who is our amazing audio engineer. You should work with him. You can find Ben on Twitter at visible underscore sound.